In this episode, I talk to Chris Budd about the Financial Wellbeing book, which he's recently written and published. Chris has a unique perspective on financial planning, preferring to call it financial coaching, and this forms the foundation of his book. Hear where his inspiration came from and how Chris went about writing the Financial Wellbeing book. Listen to Chris explain the five elements of financial well-being. That's all right here in episode 92 of the Marketing, Protection and Finance podcast. Welcome, you're listening to the podcast for financial services professionals looking to share business ideas and inspiration in the world of marketing, protection and finance. So let's get on with the show and here's your host, Roger Edwards. Hello and welcome to the Empath Podcast. Thank you for taking some of your valuable time to listen to the show. I really appreciate your support. And if you want to help me a little bit more to spread the word, please tell a friend or a colleague about the Empath Podcast. And I know iTunes can be a bit of a pain to get into, but if you have time to leave a review there, it would really help me as well. I've got a great interview for you this week with Chris Budd. Chris runs Ovation Finance, a fee-based IFA practice. 92% of their income is derived from existing clients, demonstrating their focus on long-term service and not just selling products. He's also a qualified business coach and mentor. Chris has a wife and two kids, has written a novel, is a cricket coach and plays guitar in a band. So let's get right into that interview here on the Marketing, Protection and Finance podcast. So, Chris, welcome to the Empath Podcast. Good afternoon. How are you doing today? Yeah, very good. I'm looking out over the fields from the cabin in my garden, although, unfortunately, the stinging nettles have grown up outside the window quite a lot, so I'm just looking at stinging nettles now. I'm not sure if that's a metaphor for something. (laughs) (laughs) And where am I Skyping you from today, Chris? In Somerset, North Somerset, just south of Bristol. Fantastic. Chris, you're a financial advisor, you're an author, and you've just published a book called The Financial Wellbeing Book. And that's something I'd really like to talk to you about today, how you went about writing that, how you came up with the idea and and how it's intertwined into your business. But before we get into that, Chris, maybe give the listeners of the Empath podcast a little bit about yourself, your background, where you came from, where you're going and your ambitions and basically what makes Chris Budd tick? I mean, that's an awfully big subject. Um, I set up my firm ovation in 2000. Um, two years of self-employed in 1998. So effectively, I've been doing this for 18 years now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been fee-based charging time from the very first day. Um, had a chip on my shoulder in the early days about <laughs> how uh, I thought it should be done properly and didn't like commission and the selling and all that kind of stuff. So um, that's how my practice has built up over the years. We've now got 10 of us. Um, I actually am not a financial advisor anymore. I recently do authorized, mm-hmm. which was a long held ambition, um, allowing me to focus on the bits of the business that I enjoy these days, which is uh, coming up with ideas and uh, daydreaming in my cabin, really. So you come up with the ideas, you do the marketing and everybody else does the work. Yeah, I think that's fair, <laughs> fair way of putting it. I would admit to that. Um, I when the uh, the book idea came out and I got uh, commissioned by the publisher to do it, I sat down with the staff and I said that um, for a number of years now, I've been empowering them and encouraging them to take responsibility and that now was the time it was all going to happen. Now was the time when they were going to have to step up and I wasn't going to be in the office more than one day a week. Um, and the reaction I got from all was, yeah, 
and what's the big deal which is a wonderful thing to hear actually absolutely and and it's one of the subjects that i dig deep into on the empath podcast quite often is this whole subject of of personal branding and about how people in the financial services industry whether they're financial advisors or financial professionals working for product providers can perhaps develop their own personal brands with a view to increasing their profiles increasing their own business and i thought that the process that you went through, the thought processes, and then the mechanical writing process that you went through with the book will be a fascinating subject to dig into. So, so Chris, when did you decide to be an author and how did that lead to the Financial Wellbeing book? Can I answer a different question for a second, Roger? Of course. Do you allow me to digress? Because I've got a question back for you. Okay. This idea of a personal brand within the industry. Mm-hmm. I understand the idea of a personal brand perhaps in the public domain because then you can get clients, but I'm not sure what the objective is of getting a personal brand within the industry. Can you help me out? What I'm thinking about here is in the digital age that we live in at the moment, we've got all this wonderful technology that allows people to record podcasts like this, to record videos, to produce content that will engage customers, not just within financial services, but within any industry within which somebody works. I think that the the general public like to deal with people. They like a people-to-people experience as opposed to a people-to-brand experience. So they like dealing with real people rather than dealing with the name of a company. Can people use the technology that we have these days to create that Jim Smith brand, that John Smith brand, and create an engagement and an empathy with the end customer as opposed to it being a corporate image. Yeah, and and therefore out to the public as opposed to just within the industry. Yeah. Great, that's fine. It's a funny thing because I never really sought an industry profile. Okay. I just got on Twitter and started yakking, really, and having a bit (laughs) of fun. And it turns out that most of the people that follow financial advisors on Twitter or other financial advisors. I'm not mm-hmm. quite sure why that works out that way, but it is. And so I just have ended up with a bit of an industry profile, partly because I'm opinionated, really. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's not been particularly deliberate. Um, having said that, it has ended up with some very interesting areas. And we've got some well-known industry people as clients, for example. So it has ended up with clients. And it has also ended up with staff. Mm-hmm. We've had members of staff who have sought us out because they like the way that we go about things. So that has actually been an industry benefit from having an industry profile. In Opinionated, I think, is a very good way to create a profile, certainly on social media. I think people like it if you have an opinion that stands out from everything else. If all you're doing is saying the same things as everybody else, then you won't stand out, of course. No, exactly. Or if you're just being controversial for the sake of it or um, negative for the sake of it, that's that's what I would call whinging as opposed to <laughs> having a good positive effect. You know, but no, opinionated is not something I have a problem with. Never have done. <laughs> I've always said that uh, my epitaph will be he was never too far from an opinion. <laughs> so getting back to the book, Chris, where did the idea come from for the Financial Wellbeing book? The idea of the book came, first of all, from uh, a car journey with my wife. On. Okay. She works at a local cancer charity called the Penny Brown Cancer Centre. That's B-R-O-H-N. Uh, that will be relevant later when we try and get people to go and have a look for the book because they can buy yes. it from their site. Um, and Penny Brown, what they do is they give support to people who have cancer. So you go to your conventional medicine, you get your chemotherapy, etc. But what the NHS doesn't have in great quantities is time. Right. And 
obviously a terrible illness like cancer takes a lot of time to understand how this affects you and how you can continue with your life whilst having cancer. Mm -hmm. And that's what Penny Brown does. It gives you time. It gives you support. It helps to reduce stress. It teaches good uh, eating and health, etc. Okay. Because it helps your body to help fight the cancer and help support the chemotherapy. So whilst Susie was telling me all of this, I thought, well, one of the biggest causes of stress is money, worries yeah. about money. And therefore, I said to Susie, wouldn't it be great if I wrote a book called How Financial Planning Can Help Prevent Cancer? And she looked at me slightly skew and thought, well, maybe that might be a little over the top, you know, but <laughs> the idea was born. And so the idea of financial well-being was born. And the more I've more time I've spent on it, the more I've enjoyed and I've, the subject and, I, and I've, I've really enjoyed getting a focus away from money and wealth, just the relentless accumulation of money, you know. Right. Um, and instead, well, what's the point of this money? What does it do for us? How does it affect our lives? And then turning that into a financial plan, which is bespoke to an individual and bespoke to their lives and bespoke to increasing their happiness. I mean, it's quite an interesting um, shift in emphasis, really, because obviously you mentioned cancer and the, and the emotional and physical problems that that can cause people and, and the treatment they might have to go to. But the immediate thought that a lot of financial services professionals would have at the mention of cancer is critical illness insurance. There's always <laughs> going to be a solution to it there. But you're, yeah. not, you're not talking about that, are you? You're talking about how to get your finances in order so that you're taking the, 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 the stress out of your life so that you can live a healthier lifestyle and hopefully some of these afflictions might not actually end up happening. Or if they do, you're able to cope with them better. Yeah. Um, and they re and the, by, just by reducing stress, but the, the ability to cope with financial shocks, for example, is one of the five parts of financial well-being. Mm -hmm. um, so just the fact that you have dealt with this, you have a plan in place, means that your stress is reduced and your body is helping to fight the cancer. Um, cancer is just obviously one example, uh, but it's all about just getting the focus to be on happiness rather than rather than just money and one of the things i'm also doing is talking a lot to other advisors about using coaching skills okay and these two things these two strands of what i'm doing at the moment they, they, they link up really nicely because i'm a great believer that the old-fashioned way of um doing the financial advisor's job was you deliver advice mm -hmm. give that capital a capital a advice it's a product it's a sale Whereas the, I would suggest the better advisors these days realize that planning comes before advice. And mm -hmm. that might be cash flow forecasting. It might not. I would think you probably should. But you'll do some sort of a plan and then you bring the products in to help achieve that plan. So planning and then advice. And what we've been doing at Ovation for years and what I would suggest the best way that the market should go is to do coaching before planning, before advice. So you help somebody to work out what their dreams might be. You create a plan to get to those dreams, and then you use the products and the advice to get there. Mm -hmm. Now, that bring that together with the financial well-being approach, and you're talking to people about what makes them happy, about what will increase the quality of their life and so forth. And that needs coaching skills to help people understand themselves better. And then you can do your, your technical bit, your cash flow forecasting and your clever investment management, etc., to help achieve it. So it's not just holistic financial planning you're talking about here is holistic coaching and financial planning to ultimately come up with a, a financial plan that helps you both financially emotionally and physically i guess yeah absolutely mm. if you uh, benefits for a practice for the advisors if you help somebody let's say somebody comes in they say they want to retire at 58 and you create a financial plan to show how they can do that 
and then you manage the process to get them there. You're going to have a loyal client, a sticky mm-hmm. client. I think that's generally accepted these days. Yeah. Well, I'm suggesting that if you use coaching and somebody comes to you and says, I want to retire at 58, uh, you start to ask, well, what, what will you do the day after you've retired? Yeah. What does retirement look like? Encourage them to dream a little bit and maybe get them to find out things that they didn't know that they could achieve. Mm-hmm. Then you And then you put the power in place, and then you use your um, advice to get there. You're not just going to have a sticky, sticky client. You're going to have ambassadors. You're going to have people who tell their friends about what they've been able to achieve in their lives because of your help. So you've got this new way of looking at financial advice, at, at financial well-being. And you mentioned that the five stages that you would take people through. And I think I'd like to come on to that in a little while. But getting back to the, the process that you went through for putting together the book here's the idea financial well-being what were the stages you went through in writing that book in researching it and ultimately getting it published chris well that's an interesting one actually i've been writing for quite a long time i've got a novel out been out for a few years now um and uh, if you put chris bud on amazon you will see all the books <laughs> and another just finished another novel which i hope will be coming out sometime this year so writing has been something that i've enjoyed doing for quite a long time and when I had this idea, I sat there and I started sketching it out. And, you know, like I say, I've created um, the organization of the business in such a way to give me the time to do this kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. that was a seven-year process in itself. Right. But then when I started sketching out the ideas and, and doing some research, etc., I did something which really took me by surprise. I used LinkedIn. Okay. <laughs> now, I'm not a big fan of LinkedIn, I've got to be honest. I find it's been ruined by the rec- recruitment consultants. <laughs> but yeah. I just posted something on LinkedIn and a publisher picked up on it. And it was as simple as that. It really was. The publisher picked up on the idea, said this could work for a series that they do called Concise Advice, um, published called Lid Publishing, which sells a lot in uh, WH Smith's. Uh, they're short, concise books, a moleskin-type feel to them, mm-hmm. and they give what it suggests, concise advice. And the idea, therefore, it, it, it gave me focus to the well-being idea mm-hmm. that it would be a financial plan that you can complete by going through the book. So LinkedIn was was uh, actually worked for me, which was quite a surprise. I quite like that story because, as you say, LinkedIn tends to be one of those social media platforms that's in the background. It it, it just becomes a, it's like an online CV, isn't it? I've, I've not heard any stories like that, so it's quite interesting that that's the way you got your um, idea. Yeah, credit to the publisher for you know, she she was obviously trawling LinkedIn for for ideas, and and uh, it was a happy coincidence, I guess. And the process that you went through after that to actually get your ideas down on paper, how did that plan out? That's quite a big question, Roger, because um, <laughs> you're talking three months, although there's a an old story that because um, several people have asked, how long did the book take you to write? And I quote them the uh, old story about Picasso sitting by the side of the street, sketching away. And uh, an American lady walks past Picasso and says, oh, you're Picasso, aren't you? Would you do me a would you do me a sketch? Mm-hmm. Picasso says, certainly. And he just whips something out and does a quick sketch and gives it to her. And she says, that's fantastic. Thank you so much. Can I give you anything? And Picasso says, yes, that'll be £10,000, please. <laughs> and the American lady says, £10,000? It only took you five minutes. And Picasso says, no, madam, it took me a lifetime. Uh, <laughs> absolutely right. <laughs> so in some ways, the book took three months. In some ways, it took 17 years. You know? <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's a question of get the ideas were already in your head, probably... Um, gestating or whatever the word is and and really what you needed to do is a bit of focus to get the ideas 
down on paper and ultimately Absolutely. out to market. And what helped me was the fact that this book needed to be action driven. Mm -hmm. So that helped a great deal. So I, what I do is I use postcards for my, my novels and also for this book. I use postcards and um, a pin board I have in my in my cabin here. Uh -huh. And so I'm looking at it at the moment and I've got my third novel being mapped out in the, in the plot, um, different colours on different coloured postcards. And I did exactly the same thing. I broke it down. I did some research. Um, there's a really good book that I use on well-being in general. Mm -hmm. That gave me the starting point. And then I just broke it all down and mapped it all out. Took about probably six weeks, if I'm honest with you, with yeah. several failed attempts of getting the structure right until finally I got the structure that just seemed to flow really nicely. Um, and in the meantime, throwing the ideas down, it's got lots of anecdotes and stories in the book, so I was putting those down. And then it's a jigsaw puzzle, really, about just putting them all together. In the right order. Hopefully. <laughs> So, Chris, take us through very quickly the five stages that are included within the financial well-being book uh, that people would go through to get this financial plan that you would take them through this coaching program to get them where they want to be. Okay, so there are five aspects of financial well-being, a clear path to identifiable objectives. Mm -hmm. And I'll just pause on that a second. A clear path means understanding yourself. Right. So there's a know thyself theme that underpins the entire book and identifiable objectives, which is where are we headed? What's the point? Actually, what's this financial plan going to help achieve? Mm -hmm. So that takes a bit of working out. And that's where the advisor, I think, with their coaching skills really can come to the fore. Mm -hmm. You then get the other four areas are, are rather more practical. There is control of daily finances. There is the ability to cope with the financial shock um, touched on earlier on. There are financial options in life, and that can be by getting money and accumulating money, or it can be changing your attitude to things. And then finally, there's clarity and security for those that we leave behind. And the coaching element, the first section that you mentioned there, presumably this is where you need to do quite a lot of digging into the answers that people give you to the questions that you're asking. So, I, I, for example, somebody might say, uh, when I'm 60, I want to retire and I want to travel. But what does that mean? And is that yeah. is it about coaxing out of them what traveling really means? Is it going on cruises? Is it surfing down glaciers? What is it? It could be, although I would suggest that's fairly practical um, mm -hmm. aspects of travel. What I think we're really looking for um uh, you, you, you've teamed me up nicely here, Roger, to get another bee in my bonnet out. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a big fan of the word goals. Okay. If you use the word goals, uh, sorry, if you type the word goals into Google Images, what you get is pictures of mountaineers on the top of a mountain or darts on a dartboard or goal, goal, um, footballers hugging each other. <laughs> and what they all have in common, those things, is they are all finite. Mm -hmm. And other than the obvious, life is not finite. Mm-hmm. Once you've managed to get your retirement at 58, there is then tomorrow. Life mm -hmm. carries on. So I don't like goals. I'm not a fan of that word. I'm particularly a fan of objectives. My favorite word is motivations. Motivations. As a, I, I'm not a fan of smart objectives no, either. Right. I think exactly. it makes everything too complicated and process-driven. Yeah, I, I, the whole area of goals and uh, not having goals is uh, something I really fascinated by reading a lot, of, a lot about at the moment. But mm -hmm. if you get somebody, if you're coaching people, you're trying to understand their motivations or mm -hmm. perhaps more importantly, help them to understand their mm -hmm. motivations. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, we're trying to answer that question, which we've been asking our clients in Ovation for many, many years, which is how much is enough? Mm -hmm. That's the question we're really getting to the bottom of. Because once you've got that, you can then start 
uh, creating a financial plan and using your finances and, and shaping them in a way that will give you what you want out of life. And the book that you've written, the Financial Wellbeing book, is it aimed to allow an individual, a member of the public, to pick this up and to create the plan themselves? Or have you designed it specifically so that a financial advisor can sit down with a customer and effectively use your process as a blueprint? I would say it's very much the former. Mm -hmm. um, it's uh, in some small way an attempt to plug this advice gap that we hear about yeah. so much. Um, I think the ideal people to read the book would be um, maybe adult children of advisors' clients. Right. Um, however, having said that, the financial plan that somebody can get at the end uh, through going through the book is a simplified, very simplified version. And uh, there is a section on whether to do it yourself or engage a financial advisor. And in that, I say, well, know thyself depends what you want out of life. Mm -hmm. If you are the sort of person that has time and inclination to sit down and go through and work it out yourself, do it yourself. Great. You don't need a financial advisor. However, I'm terrible at DIY. Mm -hmm. I couldn't even hang a mirror up the right way around. And so I've got somebody locally that comes out and changes the light bulbs for me. Yeah. Okay, I can change a light bulb, but that's about it, really. Mm -hmm. So if a person isn't able to, doesn't have the time or inclination or knowledge, engage a financial ad advisor, but engage one that uses this coaching approach. So mm -hmm. actually, advisors could use it for their clients, and they could use it definitely for their clients' children. And I hope that what it will do, it will give them enough to work out a basic plan, and then hopefully realize, actually, I need a bit more help with this. I really like the concept. I really like that idea of coaching coming into it. I see the uh, book here. It's in front of me on Amazon. I can see it. I can buy it. When exactly did you launch it, Chris? Uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> we had it, a book it's just it. out there. <laughs> it just found its way out. It escaped. Um, uh, author Neil Gaiman has a lovely phrase. He says, novels aren't finished. They just get abandoned. <laughs> I love that phrase. Um, no, it, we, we had a book launch a couple of weeks ago at the Penny Braun Cancer Centre, but um, WH Smith and a few other uh, bookshops got hold of it earlier than I thought they were going to. So right. it's actually been out about a month or so. And what's, um, what's the reaction been to this new concept that you've got? The coaching thing really interests me. The coaching thing is um, going down very well. I mean, I have nothing to earn out of the coaching thing. This mm -hmm. is just me wanting to, to share good practice. Mm -hmm. um, I was on a tour with Nucleus last week and the week before. Illuminate. That's right, on yeah. the Illuminate sessions. And we had a lot of fun. Um, I, I must say, I'm very impressed with what they are doing. It's, a, it's the ultimate in content marketing. Yeah. Um, they weren't pushing themselves at all. They were simply getting some interesting speakers to share ideas and good practice. And it had a fantastic response to, to the sessions that I was doing. I was just overwhelmed. One lady tweeted it was the best individual conference session she'd ever been to, which I was chuffed to bits by. Um, but uh, that was all about using coaching. And I think what's very important to just underline here is that coaching isn't easy. I've got, no. I've got a business diploma, excuse me, I've got a diploma in business coaching from the European Mentoring and Coaching Council. Uh -huh. That took two years to get. Right. So no one can go on a weekend course and then say they're now a coach. No. Um, we are running, I say we, we're running courses. Um, I do my coaching as an associate of a company called Quiver, Q-U-I-V-E-R, Quiver Management. And um, we've adapted their normal coaching courses for financial advisors. Mm -hmm. And there's a load of them coming up around the country the rest of the year. So anybody can go to the Quiver Management website and book on those courses. So we're trying to kind of spread the word and help people to do it. 
Um, but I, you know, this, there's not a lot in this for me. I'm just doing this because uh, I've been in this industry all my life, and I think this is the best way of doing it. You, you're wanting to change. You're wanting to give people new ideas. And, and effectively, you already said you were out on the road with Nucleus last week, the Illuminate tour. Yes, I agree. Content marketing at its best. I think Nucleus are one of the only financial services providers who understand content marketing. But effectively, what you've done is you've created content and that's going to allow people to get to know you, to trust you, and hopefully to engage with you as a financial planner, or at least the the, um, the figurehead of a financial planning firm. So all you're doing here is giving people really good reasons to do business with Ovation Finance. Well, that sounds good. All right, then. <laughs> is that what I've done? Okay. <laughs> That's the way it seems to me, as a, as a, as a good old-fashioned content marketer. <laughs> I'm just going out there spouting opinions on stuff and, uh, <laughs> and having a bit of fun while doing it. Chris, it's been absolutely fascinating to talk to you today about how you came up with the idea for the Financial Wellbeing book, how you've put it together, and how you've focused in on this fascinating concept of changing the whole financial advice process into one of financial coaching and allowing people to think about what motivates them and think about their motivations for the future. Before we go, I always like to finish the Empath podcast with a very quick fire round of business questions. So let's go straight into that now. What's the one thing that you'd change about the financial services industry if someone gave you a magic wand to wave? I would get people to stop having arguments with each other and realize that we need to increase the size of the pie not just our slice of it fantastic what's the one business model or it could be a product that you've seen or a marketing campaign that's caught your attention in the last year tell us what it was and what you liked about it i avoid advertising i'm really sorry roger i can't i actually stand outside the cinema with my kids inside waiting for the adverts to stop reading a book and then they text me when the film starts <laughs> i think there's a whole subject that we could go into on there about interruption marketing i have a real bee in my bonnet at the moment about the new layout of edinburgh airport where i'm forced to walk about two oh. miles through shops after i go through yeah. security and I, when you're going on holiday you might be happy to do that but when you're traveling through the airport every single week i just want to go to the gate i want to be able to buy a fast track pass through the bloody shops we do uh, workshops for employees on well-being uh-huh and one of the things I say to people is take advertising out of your life. Yes. Because um, advertising, excuse me for a digression here, but That's it's quite right. interesting. Advertising deliberately tries to make you unhappy in order that their <laughs> product can resolve your unhappiness that they've just created. Yes. And an example of this or illustration of this was done with, with a survey where they got two groups of people and they showed one group of people a very sad um, heartbreaking uh, documentary mm -hmm. and the other group of people an uplifting nature documentary right and then immediately afterwards they asked each group what they would pay for a bottle of water <laughs> and the group who had seen the sad film offered 10 times more than the group who'd seen the happy film right i think that, that says that's a lot, what doesn't advertising it? does it tries to make you unhappy so my i'm sorry this isn't the answer you wanted to your best marketing campaign but my best marketing campaign would be the not one to I do one see. <laughs> <laughs> tell us about an app or a gadget that hopefully hasn't interrupted you and has made a huge difference to your working life. Well, I do play words with friends quite a lot. My wife says that that's really good for uh, the Alzheimer's that I'm hopefully putting back because, <laughs> because I'm using my brain. And finally, what's the best business book you've ever read? And of course, you are allowed to give your own book another plug here. <laughs> Tell us what it was and what you liked about it so much. 
I'm not going to mention the financial well-being book or my novel, A Bridge of Straw. I'm not going to mention <laughs> them at all. Uh, no, actually, there's a book called The Long Walk by a guy called Slavomir Ravitch. Mm -hmm. And that book genuinely changed my life because I was working in a company, uh, I won't mention the name, uh, but it was a big corporate in, uh, a pension provider in the city of London. Okay. Very unhappy, drinking too much, over, not in a good place in life in my late 20s. And I read this book, which is a true story of a Polish war officer who gets um, sent to a Siberian camp. And I'm giving no spoils, spoilers, because he wrote it. Right. That uh, they escape from this camp, him and four others, and they walk across the Gobi Desert, the Himalayas. And it's an extraordinary book. And I ended up sitting on Rains Park train station after work one day, finishing the book, literally in floods of tears, thinking to myself, why am I doing this job that I'm not enjoying and I'm not happy with when this guy can achieve so much to save his life? So it actually started me on the journey, which ended up setting up ovation a few years later. That book genuinely changed my life. And I now give a copy of The Long Walk to every single member of staff that joins ovation. The Long Walk, I'm going to definitely, definitely have a look for that one, Chris. It was also a film called The Way Back, but do the book first. <laughs> I will do indeed. Chris, it's been fascinating to talk to you. I'm hoping that a lot of people listening to the episode today will want to get in touch with you, maybe to talk about the book or talk about coaching. So what's the best way that people should get in touch? Well, come and say hi on Twitter, if people are on Twitter, at Ovation Chris, uh, or by all means, if anybody wants to drop me an email directly, I'd be delighted to hear from them, chrisbud at ovationfinance.co.uk, unless they're recruiters. <laughs> and I'll put those contact details in the show notes for this episode, which you can find at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MPAF. That's rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MPAF. Chris. Roger. May I just add one more thing? Of course you uh, might. All the proceeds from the book go to this cancer centre, the Penny Brown Cancer Centre. So if anybody is interested in buying a copy, they can go to pennybrownbrohn.com, go to the shop, and Penny Brown will then make the maximum amount of money from their purchase. And if anybody does want to buy copies of the book, maybe to give to staff or clients, then bulk discounts are available and they can contact me accordingly. And I'll put that on the, the show notes page as Thank well, you. Chris, so that everybody's got the link that they need to get that ch uh, cancer charity in there. Chris, it's been fascinating to talk to you. Really interesting, really motivational, really thought-provoking. Thanks very much for coming on the show. Let me wish you every success for the future and hope to catch up with you in real life sometime. Thank you, Roger. been a pleasure chatting. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Protection and Finance Podcast. Do please look at the show notes at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MPAF for links to the apps and topics and books we discussed. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review on iTunes. Simply visit rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash iTunes and leave a review. If you are a provider or advisor or journalist and you have a product, campaign or business model you'd like to talk about, please get in touch. You can be the next guest on the show. And do remember, nothing we talk about on the show is financial advice of any kind. It's all just thoughts and opinions, okay? <laughs>